is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed ever know those guys that have one of those resumes where you're like this guy's either lying or he's had one of the most interesting lives other i knew a guy named jay russell jay russell um was a was one of the principal dancers at the national ballet of canada as a black dude which was crazy enough but he was also a rapper who used to pop lock while he while he rapped and just like the, the, the night and day of those uh, elements of his bio was always something that everyone was like, wait a second, you're a rapper and you pop lock while you rap and then you're a national ballet, like ballet star? Yeah, that's right. My guest today, uh, to me, would be in that universe where his background, and then I'll, I'll get to how um, we got to know each other uh, a little bit later, but his background is so interesting and eclectic. And uh, what I've been using on promos is uh, describe him as follows, which is all true. He is an award-winning ad director. He did that for, for many years. He still does that. And uh, he's worked for like big agencies and he's been independent. And he's done all that, but he's done ads that you've seen. And we'll get to that later as well. He's also, it's weird when I call him a punk rock guy because he, he's not like a musician, but like his look and sort of the way he is, is like punk rock. Like, you know, he's got an, he looks cool. Like, you know, he's a cool looking guy good fashion sense but very himself oh and by the way he's also an avid birder with tattoos all over his body that relate to being a birder yeah that's right um and also as i abruptly end my intro he is such an enthusiast of the what would you call it like the birding <laughs> the birding lifestyle that he made a movie and We'll talk about the behind-the-scenes stuff with the movie in a second, but I'm going to play the trailer, and then I'm going to introduce them. So first we're going to watch or listen, depending on where you are, this trailer. love that song i don't know who it is but paul will tell me because my guest today is paul riz paul how are you buddy i'm good man how are you i'm doing well thank you um i appreciate you uh taking time out of your um shared accommodation flat in uh 
Danforth area where <laughs> I, this is how big, you know what the funny thing is, is that I, it sounds like I'm poking fun at your drapes. It really is just an indication that I know nothing about anything that looks good aesthetically. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. My, my wife just put these here. <laughs> you always live in a house though. That's like, you know, it's like a, like a Tarantino character owns the house or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's like that, that's all due to Rachel. I mean, she's like, I literally just live here, and I know it sounds like so dumbass sex. Sitcom wife? It sounds yeah, like sitcom. Like, yeah, it's not that at all. It's just that Rachel has an incredible ability to make a space look great and feel comfortable and interesting. And like our house, that we, you know, all the houses we've had are just—it's—it's it's like a like an ever-evolving art piece of hers. And um, yeah, so that's 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 the trade. I, I say this say this with love but she really is the half that props you up like 100 percent. yeah we'll, yeah, you we'll know, get to her I, later you know people say the better half thing it's like yeah. it's like better and a half i don't know if that makes sense. it's not only a better half but like you both have not just accepted but have organically grown into the roles of she is the universe and you're you're one of her main planets but not not quite the universe right yeah, like, yeah i would agree i would agree yeah but you're happily like that too. I'd love that. I, you guys are always the Quinn. We're always kind of like, that's the cool couple. That's the couple that's going to show the rest of us. And look at you now. Uh, I always <laughs> like people would always tell, tell us that kind of shit. And I'm like, I have no idea how that happened for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like, I really would say that Rachel, uh, Rachel saved me. She returned hmm. me to my family. Uh, I was gone. I was I was out of it for a while. I like was drinking a significant amount. Luckily, not enough to put me down the the path of never having another drink again because yeah. I was having a drink. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I was lost. I was pretty lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, that might be a good time to tell everybody that you're my ex brother in law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, should I keep it? professional not sit no no fuck it i'm gonna like you know eventually we have to get to that so i've known you then since like 1994 right something like I, that yeah if i had a if i had a mind for numbers i might be able to confirm that yeah and to me i i always really liked you i always thought you were cool and um far and away much better than any of the other boyfriends my sister had. <laughs> you know really and uh and we hit it off rather quickly and like and then you married my sister we we became close and everything i remember thinking like like you were like if Keanu Reeves and folk singer Hayden had a bastard, you were kind of like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get it, and, and it's funny too because like, uh, you know, I was married to your sister, and that didn't work out, but that's fine. You know, it is what it is. But like everybody says when I when I talk about you because we've known each other a long time. And they're like, well, how do you know that guy? I'm like, oh, I used to be married to his sister. And they're like, what? You stayed in contact with her brother? I'm like, yeah, people yeah. people British? Yeah. They're British people, right? That that say that shit? <laughs> yeah, just people, people. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they're like kind of like talking about it as if it's weird. And I say, you know what? James and I got along. Uh, we became friends through my marriage to his sister. And just because my marriage to his sister didn't last does not mean that I have to like i don't know it's like everybody thought i should just as i'm driving over the bridge uh just yeah. throw a, a yeah. cocktail behind me and just 
blow the shit up, right? It's like that only that would that would have only made sense is if you like like smacked my sister or something, and you know what I mean. Like that that would only like apply to something like that. But the situation was a little bit different, and you know, and we and we're not going to get into that. But it's interesting. Like uh, we were talking off air earlier today about how sometimes like the most like oh my god the darkest um, places that you can be in your life and and how you got there ends up being like that first domino to the rest of your life that is fucking amazing you know and which is a really hard place to get to you know it takes years right yeah it really does and like people often say like uh they ask me questions about my when they find out that i've been married before rachel there's like what there was something you thought was like the right person for you that's not her and I said, well, I, how would I know she was the perfect woman had I, like, I didn't know her. I never met her. Yeah. Uh, you, and- you know what's a fun thought experiment <laughs> is to imagine that you're propelled back to 1993. And the only way that you will ever secure Rachel and your kids again is if you go exactly as possible the life path you were the first time around. So you'd have... <laughs> You'd have to like court my sister and marry her the whole time, knowing what's going to happen. You had to let it happen. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I would do it. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily fun for your sister or me at when we decided not to be together anymore. Like, it just. But I wouldn't change a thing. Like I'm, we're I'm I'm strangely happy with my life for a creative person. Because, you know, people are always, like, saying we're damaged goods and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, we are. Well, you had good parents, though, you know, I, which I is did, everything, uh, I think. It's everything, right? Yes, yes, I really did. And here's the story. I don't even know if I've told you this, but it's not, it's not bad, I don't think. But the night before I married your sister, the night before, I was at my par- I was talking with my parents, and they said, are you sure? be sure. And I said, uh, I think I'm sure. And they said, well, we're not sure. And I was like, Oh, well, um, okay. Uh, and they said, well, what are you going to do if it doesn't work out? And I just pointed at my dad because he had been married before my mom too. Oh, okay. And, And, and so I just pointed at him and I said, I'll do what he did. I'll find someone like you second up. And they were like, really that's how you're going to go into a marriage and i was well, i just said yeah i'm i'm going into it how i feel right now and, and no like, offense no offense to your parents but the night before your wedding they're like we don't know about her <laughs> it's like thanks mom <laughs> and dad like, yeah you know hey you could have like said like i i did actually say it's too fucking late now i'm not gonna like destroy some girl's life just because you guys aren't sure like mm. Not yeah, I'll wait for my turn. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we won't get into it. Let's no, no, no. That's fine. Well, I mean, someone's always got to be the one that leaves, right? Let's put it that way. Right? You know, you're yeah. either the person that left or you're the person that got left, right? Like, listen, yeah. I would say that um, it was uh, it was not good for me, like the way it all went down. Uh, however, I am uh, with with much reflection now. I would say. I was kind of a shitty husband. Yeah, you said that to me, and and, and that it's interesting. Um, it, it, it's probably true to a certain extent because I think we all kind of are, in a way, right? Like, you know, like the the, the whole um, 
it's contagious of uh, the effort that one puts in or to it, to the work of a marriage and and how levels will kind of even out so if one person's dragging you know behind a little bit then the other person drags behind it becomes stale and stuff as soon as if especially if you're a guy you find yourself saying this a lot what's wrong are you okay <laughs> it's, it's already over dude <laughs> yeah you're, exactly it's, it's gone I, yeah i mean i i just think that it was what it was and uh it wasn't like i just would do it again yeah. I had a lot. I, her and I had a lot of fun, but I will say this: um, I was not friends with your sister first. Mm. We met in school in, in in college, and we. It sounds so weird to say, but we fell in love. I guess. Um, I just never. She's used. also trying to find a way to not have to hang out with Jesse. I think, but go on. Uh, that could be. <laughs> I've stayed. I stayed friends with him too. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't have any problem with that. He was, he was a weird little dude, but I yeah. like weird. Really like, big arms for such a short little guy, eh? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. odd. Did he inject yeah. himself or was that real shit? This kid no, was no, like, because I'm 5'6 and he, I towered over him, I felt like. Yeah, he was tiny, but he was so into Kung Fu, he could kick my yeah. ass, at anybody's ass. He was very yeah. high-level Kung Fu, so like, I never would want to get into it with him. But I used to actually train with him. Like, he was teaching me for a while. And... um was, we were at a party once and he kept on trying to like, he kept on grabbing me and sort of like quickly jerking me, but not really moving me at all at the same time. Like, you know, and I was just like, what are you doing? Dude? And I'm really ticklish on the sides. And so we, that's kept, we kept on doing it there, but he wouldn't stop. And I looked at you. I remember I was like, what, what am I supposed to do here? I don't think I could beat him up, but I'm very pissed off right now, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would just like take my, take my thing. If like, if you're in a situation where you know, you're not going to win the fight, shit on him. Yeah. Yeah. With, oh my God. Wow, that's brilliant. You, or you could throw it at him. That's just as effective, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> just, you just like you, you just do something like you, you make yourself vomit or like yeah. you just do something repulsive and then they'll leave you alone. If you carry around a Gatorade jug of urine, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> punch that guy. I don't, I'm not going to punch that guy. He's soaked in urine. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so, um, so that's good. We got that out of the way. That's good. So you, but I want to chronologicalize it a little bit because um, I find it really interesting, like sort of how it all developed. So professionally though, um, and I'm going to play uh, one of the things, uh, what would you call it? Like part, you know, a part of your portfolio, your, of yeah. your, of your award-winning work, you know, it's quite If you're going to play what I think you're going to play, it's my career high. And it was like probably 13 years ago now. Um, if we were to set this up, it would be, I, I would, I, I'd want to say just one thing. Um, because of your interest in art and music and things like that, um, which I think is a very kind of like, not like a, you're not an ideologue or anything, but you have a little bit of a buck the establishment kind of vibe to you, right? Like, uh, you yeah. know, outside the box and all that. And then you work literally in the devil's den, <laughs> creating advertisements and commercials, right? Yeah. But I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say your personality type and the things that you like and the cool things that you like and that interest you um, sort of like permeated in a great way in the ad world. And it reminds me of my friend Sheldon. He, used to, he, he passed away last year. Um, rest in peace, Sheldon. Love you. Um, and he, he, was, he was a guy that made hip-hop beats. And he, he, I can't remember who the artist, but it was like a Britney Spears kind of thing. He, he got the gig to like polish up an existing track and program beats. And the producer was like, don't make it too dirty, Sheldon. Okay, not don't make it too gritty. And Sheldon was like, no problem. 
And then he's like, and then I found the dirtiest fucking drums I could find. And I did it. And and the producer's like, perfect. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of like you with the ad world. Like coming up with an unconventional idea and then uh, and having the critics uh, of, of of the idea be like, I don't think this is gonna work, blah da da. And um do you do you wanna say anything before I show it? Because I love this. I love this spot. Yeah, I'm I- I would say I got to give a shout out to my writer partner, Matt Antonello, who did this with me. Like we worked together for eight, um, eight years and we did, we had so much fun doing what you're about to show, but I will say this, uh, like from a, not, not solely because of this spot, but because of this one and a few others that some of my colleagues at my, at DDB, the agency I worked at, um, when we first landed the account that, People will see the logo at the end. Um, they, it's an automotive account, I assume. Is that correct? You can say the fuck. You can say the name, Paul. Okay, okay. so it's a Subaru <laughs> thing. And when we first started working on Subaru, they were selling roughly fifteen thousand cars a year in Canada. And mm-hmm. by the time we sort of like, by the time I left the agency to go out on my own, uh, they were selling sixty-five thousand. Yeah. The year like it really and, like, it, and it's a causation not just a coincidence like that yeah that. yeah exactly and i cannot like take sole credit because there was another spot before this one there's one after that was really oh, take the credit i'm giving it to you you can't yeah, give it to yourself you, you um that, people that are people that are listening on apple and spotify and other platforms um if you wanted to look at the ad that we're uh, talking about i'll tell you what it is at the end uh, go to youtube slash blackwell with james defury and uh and check it out there so here let's take a look at it About the belly. Japanese SUVs just got a little sexier. In the all-new 2009 Subaru Forester. It, sorry, it's one of those ads where the execution has to be fucking flawless. So yeah. you're not like called like racially insensitive, stereotyping or anything. For those who um, were listening and, and didn't, um, I still think go go to my uh, but. It, it's the ad that I know that you'll remember with the sumo wrestlers doing the car wash thing, and they're they're behaving exactly like sexy women would when they were doing the car wash thing, right? Yeah. And that juxtaposition and, and that kind of contrast, and you can only get away with it if that's men for one thing, which is which is good. I like that. That's what but makes you, it you, good that it's not. Yes, it's not the woman from Cool Hand Luke, but that's for the that's that was the reference. Yeah, because you can't smack a woman's. Big old ass with a towel on a commercial, but you can to a sumo wrestler. Yeah. And and you and I love those little kind of pockets of like um exceptions. Do you know what I mean? Like where theoretically smacking someone's naked, almost naked ass with a towel on a on an automotive commercial would be like, Oh, obviously you can never do that no matter what. And Paul's like, 
Hold my because <laughs> I think I found a way. Yeah, and, and, and I should say that as much as when, like, when you see that and when I show it to people and they're like, oh, my God, how did you ever think of that? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to say it was easy. We had a lot of other ideas in and around this sexy thing. But um, that, that, that thing we just watched that seems like it's crazy and seems like it's way over the top and everything, it is not. Yeah. It is strategic. So the thing about Subaru, when we started working on it, was there was confusion because of those uh, Paul Hogan commercials. Nobody knew it was Japanese. And we, all, we did a bunch of research beforehand, and we found out that uh, people don't, like, people don't, people don't want a car like that, that they don't know where it comes from. And maybe it's from Australia. I'm not sure. But what we did know was that Honda, Toyota are very popular cars. And they're Japanese made and people trust a Japanese vehicle. Quality is built in. Like that's just like price of entry. So yeah. all we had to do was tell people it was a Japanese vehicle and tell them in a really engaging and memorable way. And that that's how you get a bunch of sumo sumo car wash thing. And were there were there ideas that like didn't make it like um eating sushi off sumos that are lying down? And stuff on top of cars uh actually we did a follow-up to that commercial because it was so popular we were made to do a follow-up which is like uh oh the sequel yeah it's almost the kiss of death right but it's actually it actually worked out pretty good um we used a peaches i was like very adamant about a peaches song because i needed it to have that punch and all that kind of stuff but um you know it's like in that one, we actually have a woman feeding a sumo wrestler. Like, I think the, the line for it was sexy comes standard. And we, so we just had people in their Subarus, but every single time it came with a sumo wrestler whenever you got one. So there was like one yeah. moment where a woman was at a at, at a market at the, you know, her sumo or Subaru was parked in front of the market and there she was buying strawberries and there's a sumo wrestler on the thing. And she reaches over and feeds him a little strawberry. So was, <laughs> just all subtle like yeah yeah like, just hmm, like she turns and goes like that and he takes a bite and you know there's another scene where there's a couple sitting on the beach in 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 uh, vancouver looking out at the ocean and but their view is blocked because there's a massive sumo wrestler sitting on the windshield <laughs> it's just a giant bum <laughs> yeah it was like yeah it was also fun <laughs> that must have been fun to brainstorm though like what can we get away with like could you do a close-up of sumo boobs with women hands on them, and then as you pan out, you realize it's not women's breasts. Like, would you be able to do? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we also had this other idea that I thought was really fun, and so did my partner. And it was, it was like this whole deer in the headlights thing. You know, when you're driving, and Subarus are outdoorsy vehicles, so mm. it's natural to get a deer caught in the headlights. And so it was a deer in the headlights moment. But then in that moment, the deer falls madly in love with the vehicle. And eventually it ended up around by the tailpipe. <laughs> like, Are you serious? Oh, yeah, yeah. We never made it. Like, we didn't even present it. It was too much. There's a, there's a European um, car ad. I don't know if you remember this, where the woman, like, parks the car. She takes off her scout. And then she puts her hair back. And then she starts giving head to the stick shift. <laughs> and that's that's the whole ad. And then it fades out. And then the, ad, the, the car company comes on. I was just like, okay, that's... That is kind of dope. I can't tell why Europe is allowed to get away with these things. <laughs> well, maybe they're a little bit less sexually repressed than us. 
Is that what it is? Because it feels like you know, now that pornography is everywhere, they're not really all that repressed anymore. Yeah, that's true. You know? That commercial was probably a long time ago. However, you yeah. still could not do that commercial in Canada. <laughs> so you want I, I want so so you did the ad thing for for a long time, and you were really good at it. You won a lot. Um, you've done a lot of ads that a lot of people have seen. And but I also know that like during that time you spent a lot of time in nature and you spent a lot of time um you know like you were in Orno for a long time yeah. and you live in a cool part of Hamilton now and you have all these like you know uh, summer adventures up at Manitou and Island stuff. Where did the birding thing come from? And at first was it therapeutic so that you could like shed all the nasty evil corporate stuff off your body? <laughs> That's funny. Uh... No, yeah, you know, the birding thing came when I was really young. I was a birder when you knew me before, when I was younger. and, and yeah, but it Really? Was not, yeah, yeah, but I was very quiet about it. <laughs> were you too embarrassed uh, to tell us that you were a birder? Maybe a little bit. Like, like it, it was kind of... I, can I, was, I suggest that it's because of the word birder? Uh, it's, I, can I suggest that it's because of the word bird watcher? <laughs> and all the negative, well, yeah. all the stereotypical shit that goes with that. Um, What's the Latin name for bird? Let's change this right now. Avis, A V E S. There it is. I'm an Avis watcher. Why? I'm an, what the fuck? I'm an Aver. Yeah. There's right. actually a punk band in uh, Coburg called Avis. They're of course they Yeah, I like them. They're <laughs> funny. They do like sort of like, uh, um, I, I don't know if it's insulting to them to say bubblegum punk, but it's like, it's sort of like Green Day type. Yeah. Punk, That's know, pretty like, pop, pop punk. Yeah, pop punk, and but like they're really good guys. The music is fun. They literally sing about birds. Like they talk about cardinals and how red they are. They got a song about how red cardinals are. That, that's Great. the thing about birds. So, so like, listen. I know. I, I want you to talk about it a little bit, but just just to let you know, front the the caricature in my mind of a birder is often that like how they're like the stamp collectors of the nature interest portfolio. Yeah. You know, like they, they know so much they could talk to you about. And even the ones that will say they know very little compared to their colleagues or their peers in the birding communities, they still know a billion times more than everyone else. And so it feels like it's weird. It's like, um, you know, like these snooty um, record store guy. And then he realizes he's met his man. The customer comes in. He's like, actually, that was 1968. And the studio was in Tennessee. They, just, <laughs> right? they have to, like, make way for the guy who's smarter than them in music. But birding is a really... Tell, tell us how you got really into it then, I guess, um, you know, in the last 10 years or so. Um, because I thought it kind of, like, reached a... Like, you, you really kind of put the foot on the gas as far as that part of your I life did. goes. Yeah. I, I, I really did. And, I, again... Here I am going back to my lovely wife, Rachel. Uh, she bought me one year for my 30th birthday. Yeah, I was already, your sister and I were already split up, and Rachel and I were together. I don't know that we were married yet, but we had bought a house in Parkdale. And for my 30th birthday, she gave me, or for Christmas when I was 30, I can't remember 100%. I get sieve memory. Um, but okay. she, she bought me a book about cataloging your bird sightings when I was 30. And so I think she's fucking smart too. Ain't eh? Jesus oh, Christ. Way too smart. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of my depth and, and yeah, punching above your right class for sure. Go ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, she, she, she bought me this book and said, I know you love it. Why don't you spend more time doing it? And so I did made this decision that I was going to like, erase my life list of every bird that I'd seen. Cause I've been birding since I was 11 with my dad. He got mm. me into it. So I, 
I, I just decided to start over and I just started birding at that point. And you're right. Like what I did was I like, I, I hit the gas like hardcore. Yeah. And, and I, you like, made these two worlds collide. Uh, like, yeah. you know, like that trailer, which I played at the, at the outset was, you know, is you t- tell us, you, I won't do it justice. Tell us the, the sort of like vibe of the story uh, of the, so there's, I, I have the graphic here, I think. Um, of the movie them out um i think it was i don't know five years or something or maybe less than that before you came up with the concept for a punk rock big year and that was this movie and it's called the big year um it, i'm sure it's the funniest movie ever because jack black is in it um you know so you would think <laughs> but it's not his best work it's not who cast this look at that cast oh okay steve, so- steve martin jack black and Owen Wilson, like, I can't imagine chemistry happened on that set. Okay, go ahead. It was not It was not a great movie, I'll be honest. It wasn't a great movie, but I don't... Obviously, those three actors are exceedingly capable uh, of doing great, great funny things. It just didn't... It just was no chemistry. Now, I read the book way before that movie was made. The book, The Big Year, I would recommend it to anybody to read, bird interested or not. It is about obsession. It is about being the best it is competitive it is it's, it's just a really good book it's written by a guy yeah. named ambassador or something like that i can't remember the exact guy's exact name uh but i know that the real man who plays jack, like that jack black plays uh, oh, okay i haven't seen him in years because of covid but um is he watching his cholesterol the guy that you know uh i'm not sure <laughs> I'm i don't know kidding. but i Jack was actually really well cast. Like Jack Black yeah. was really well cast for to to play him because he he's and he is like um if if you know the story of this guy, he was working on the Y2K bug when he was doing his big year. And the thing that was so wow. great about that character was that the other two guys were wealthy. The other two guys are rich people. And wealthy people can bird easier than non-wealthy people, right? Because they can hop on a flight and go to Alaska over the weekend and come back, right? But, um, you know, this guy wasn't like that. He didn't have as much uh, financial, um, you know, freedom. And he did this big year and was competing with two of the best birders in North America. Well, most accomplished listers, I'll call them that. And he, like, kept... he. He, he was punching way above his weight. Like, he kept up with them. Wait, there's, like, an official organized contest? It's not just people doing their own thing? No, it is people doing their own thing, but it is very, um, like, we all watch it. Uh, there was a young boy right. named Kaya Jasper that, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, it's Kaya Jasper. I think you pronounce it Kaya. Um, he just did a big year just in Ontario this year, and he myrtleized the record. Like, this, this young fellow, he just destroyed the record it was amazing to watch him do it and you know what was it okay no wait hold on let's 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 zone in on that what was amazing at watching him do it like like what 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 like like oh wow look at that form the way he and then (laughs) no not at at all that (laughs) i've seen him sprint before for a bird uh like running okay so one particular day near the end of his big year so it the way a big year works is you spend one year you define a geographical geographical area his was ontario as was mine he, he like mm. thought two and a half times the amount of birds i did uh but so you 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 set this geographical area and you spend 365 days one calendar year seeing as many species as humanly possible in that area 
So uh, one day I went to look at a very special owl that was uh, roosting in a certain place that usually gets owls in the winter, not too far from Hamilton. And he was there and he was just birding around for other things. And I walked down to the lake and there was a bunch of other people at the lake, just, you know, peers and friends and whatnot. They were just there because it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful day. And this bird flies past and it's like more of an Eastern bird. It's called the Northern Gannet. And it's, it's, I mean, people that don't know birds would say, oh, so a seagull with a weirdly thick bill. Um, well, they'd probably say beak. And, and yeah. it was just really cool. And I texted him because we're all on Discord, like a bunch of nerds. And so I texted him and said, <laughs> and I knew he needed a northern gannet because I'd asked him 15 minutes earlier. My buddy Andrew and I asked him. And so I texted him, northern gannet at the lake. And then like two minutes later, this young man, fully out of breath, is sprinting across a field and running up the hill. And he got it. Is that a technique? Like, what? <laughs> no? no, when you get to that level, right, like he was... When I say it was amazing to watch, it's about, for me, it was about, I just love to see people so dedicated to something, so dedicated, yeah. right? Like that guy, if something showed up in Rainy River, he would like get in a car and drive to Rainy River, which is like next to Manitoba, if anybody doesn't know, and then come back, like go there for like one day see what he needed to see and then drive back again is there like a tipping point among the bird watching community where it becomes less about the bird and more about the the notch and you got to be careful that you don't go too notch about the species of birds itself like like if does it feel like are there collectors versus passionate people i guess my question is yeah there's both like i mean with anything there's both extremes right for me i did a big year just to try and change people's perspective on what a birder looked like and i so i did it in a way that was catchy right had a hook i was like gonna tattoo the latin name of every species i saw on my body which i did do um so (laughs) show that again show that again your forum so that is all the latin names of the two what was it 234 two two yeah 234 and is it like all over your body or just like on your arms or yeah it's all all over my body i got i got let me ask you this did you put one on your bird i did not Okay. However, just... I was gonna put one on the inside of my lip, but I just never got around to it. Um, it was the rarest one I saw. I was just gonna write it inside my lip. It would be. It would oh, that... oh that... no, that would. There's a movie. It's a John Hughes movie where someone goes like that and it says something. I can't remember what it says. Um, I, think, I think it says "I love you." Yeah, something or like blowjobs or fun or something. I can't yeah, remember what it says. Something yeah, like, something like <laughs> yeah, that. Oh right. no, I think that the "I love you" thing I'm thinking of is in Indiana Jones when he's hmm. teaching in the class and the girl does a slow blink and it says, I love you on her eyelids. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's funny how pop culture really poisons our brains. eh? <laughs> yeah. You know that I, I, I've been interviewing a lot of cult people over the last year, uh, people who are, have escaped this particular cult. And um, I, I've been hanging around one uh, quite a bit named Richard Marsh, who um, they tried to kidnap him and uh, he blew the whistle on this whole fraud in, in the UK and, Anyways, um, I notice how, how my pop references because um, he's like, I don't understand what that means. And it'll be like a Star Wars reference. And I'd be like, you know, like Darth Vader. He's like, I, I don't know who Mr. Darth Vader is. I, I have no, and I'm just like, this is what an odd crazy. Name. 
You know, but he's like a blank slate. And uh, he, he was up here. We had a working weekend, and we didn't get around to doing it. But he's never seen Goodfellas, right? Oh, my goodness. Like, do you know what that's like, contact high you get from being with someone who hasn't experienced something that you've experienced like a thousand times? I love that. I know what that's called. There's probably a German name for it. But... Yeah, likely. It's sort of, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of a schadenfreude. Uh, it, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I've had, so I can, I can like riff on that a little bit and say, I've seen probably like 99% of the species you can see in Canada and on, on land in Canada. I don't do pelagic trips out in the ocean because I've got vertigo issues and I just don't, I don't, I don't see the point of going out for four or five hours on a boat vomiting for all of those hours with the odd book <laughs> now, at a bird here and there. Dude, now, <laughs> and, now you remind me of this guy. I, I, I'm allergic to grass and water. I don't want to be outside all the time. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I know. I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit. Would it, would it be controversial if a birder um, did a big year and his thing was to see how many birds he could eat? How many different yeah, that'd birds be, he could that'd eat? That'd be pretty controversial. I mean, as long as there were It's birds just always chickens. <laughs> yeah he's got one i mean I got one I, I i've eaten some wild birds before like i'm i'm not i'm i'm a hunt, i'm not a hunter but i'm a hunting advocate i i like yeah. hunters are more they do more for conservation than birders have done ever for conservation and yeah people don't understand that because it's such a weird like juxtaposition or whatever like you're like oh so killing for sport is better for animals you know it's like yeah. it's like the right wing that are like snowed in july climate change is not real it's a hoax it's just like no that's that's actually proof that it probably is <laughs> it's like climate change ding dong it's like it's yeah. a name for a reason um climate's always changing <laughs> yeah i know but we've detonated like thousands of nuclear bombs anyways never mind <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, uh, yeah for for that i mean i i'm they 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 buy massive chunks of land and they are undisturbed because they want to go there and shoot those birds and I got no problem with that. Uh, I'll eat them. I, it, only if they eat them. Yeah. If yeah, they yeah. eat them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, and generally they do. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've eaten roadkill several times. If, what if kind I of roadkill have you eaten, Paul Riss? Well, one <laughs> And was Rachel I... there to not? And where was Rachel? And how did she take the news? <laughs> I was with her dad. <laughs> We're driving along. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he lived up north, 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 like real north, like north of thunder bay for a very long time have you seen and the jeffrey dahmer series <laughs> i have yeah. yeah um actually i didn't watch that for a lot of reasons but okay. uh the 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 um we were driving down the road one day and up in the middle of nowhere and there was a, a grouse that was on the ground what, what people often will call a partridge it's actually a rough grouse is what his real name is it was on the road okay. side and we stopped because it looked like it was in good shape and we got out and picked it up and was like, Oh, this is still warm. I bet you that car that just was going the other way hit it. And he was right. like, Oh, cool. And he literally on the spot, just fucking turned it inside out, ripped its oh. skin and feathers off, threw that in the ditch. He's like, that'll compost. And then we went home, we ate it. <laughs> and then, and how long was he touring with the grateful? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's got a massive beard too. I don't know. I'm just guessing from the whole, like when some, you know how some people are just like what you just described. Oh, and he just in a, in like 2.4 seconds decided to turn a bird inside out and clean it on the spot. Yeah. Uh, be, and, and just like, and probably look at you like what 
Yeah. Well, I didn't have a problem with it because I was like, cool, I'm going to get gross for dinner. This stuff's delicious. Um, and, I mean, yeah, yeah. better than... I'd be the I'd be the hypocrite who was like, oh my god, I can't believe I just saw that. Of course I'll have a leg. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly. And really, there's not much on the legs though. Like, it's all it's all breast. That's what you eat on them. Have um, you ever met anyone that's been able to make an edible meal out of wild turkey in this province? Uh, I'm not aware of it. No, yeah. I've never eaten a wild turkey. Um, oh, I've been around about five or six attempts of people. Oh, no, I swear. No, no. Trust me, this is so like no it doesn't it's like uh it's like uh artificial processed duck meat that's still really tough and nasty <laughs> it's, it's awful yeah i mean i've eaten i haven't eaten wild turkey um i've eaten uh canada goose i've eaten snow goose i've eaten grouse um if people find out that you can eat canada geese they're just gonna do it a spite because everyone hates them yeah, yeah, man, delicious <laughs> cobra chickens. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, hey, there's enough Canada geese that we could eat a few, and the population would be just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I want to get to some of your art now too, because I always sort of knew. That's what I knew you as first. I didn't know you as a graphic designer in the advertising industry. I knew you as an artist. Uh, you used to do these. What the one painting that stands out? Um, and uh, from from back in the day was uh, you you painted this thing for my sister. And it was like, I think it was a hand holding a realistic bloody heart. And you were like, I give you, I just remember, I give you my heart, but then I'd be dead. I used to love your sister. <laughs> I, no, but that was kind of like what I liked about you was just like that off, you know, that's, that, that, I never seen anything like that. But I grew up in Whitby. Yeah. The most creative thing I ever saw was the way Tanky pitched. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I until I honestly until like I had a, a, a in looking back at uh, my teenage years until like ninety seven or ninety eight even or something like that. I don't think I even had like a deep conversation with anybody. Like like and, and by the way, I have a theory. You want to hear my theory on on all this shit? Yeah. Generation X was the first generation to grow up where they had to invent a culture from scratch. Because our parents, my parents in particular, who were Dutch and Italian and grew up in Dutch-Italian households, passed down exactly nothing to our house in Whitby. So we didn't have a culture. So our culture becomes video games and McCain frozen french fries and road hockey, maybe. Don't forget and the music. Pizzas, the two that come in the little plastic round. Like the pizza pops or whatever the fuck? No, like the little round, two little round pizzas and they were frozen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I used to microwave those like an idiot. But... um. Yeah. But anyways, the point is, is that, that, that like people don't look at it like that, but I really believe that. Like I had a couple friends, anecdotal friends where you go to their house, like one guy was Filipino and you walk in, you're just like, oh, I know that fucking Filipino must cooking something dope in that kid right now. I fucking know it. And it was, it was a departure from white kids house. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple Italian kids that were all right. But for art, we were all like cultureless. And I'm not trying to sound all like sad and depressed about it, like a grunge song or something, but it's true. Like we, you can't point to anything. Our 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 culture was Sears, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw some woman talking about uh, why about Gen Xers and things like that, and 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 she had talked about it like, well, we just we raised ourselves because it was like, um, you know, I mm -hmm. consider my kids all the time when I when I think about like what I'm gonna do on the weekend or where I'm gonna go. Like I think about. And it's not that I didn't have loving parents. I had extremely loving and supportive parents. However, 
if we were going to Aurora on a Saturday, it's not like I had a choice. Or no, you know, right? I never got asked, what do you want for dinner? It was more like the food was put in front of me and you eat it. Or your father, yeah. who survived Nazi Germany, uh, That's right. gets mad at you for wasting food. He's like, you can't not eat that. Because you, do you have any idea what it's because he went like six weeks one time. He went six weeks and ate nothing but stolen raw eggs right from under chickens. And let's talk. Yeah. Your dad, and so your dad had like the street cred to be able to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want me to ask you twice to get in the fucking car? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, God, man. If I ever said to my dad, I'm starving, he would be, he would like, I would. He wouldn't slap me, but in his mind, he was hitting me with a baseball bat, I'm sure, because he yeah. knew what it was like to be starving. Yeah. And I've never- that's a clear exaggeration, Paul. Um, yeah. can we like can we tell your dad's story? Because I, I love it. I, I I've told that story. Um, I wonder how much I have wrong, <laughs> but I've told that story so many times. It's a it's one of the greatest party stories ever. It, it really is. I, um I- but it's your dad will give you the choice if you want to if you want to tell the story because i i find it amazing i was trying to play about it for a while called road back to berlin it's like if it's yeah. just generic enough the title maybe they'll like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I but wish, go ahead please yeah. yeah i wish i could get that turned into a documentary uh or oh. whatever but no I'd, yeah like, like a yeah. like the english patient only not excruciatingly boring you know like, <laughs> yeah his his life has been super super interesting my dad is a uh, an unbelievable human being, and I don't know. Maybe everybody thinks that about their dad, uh, or maybe not. I don't know. But he, so when he was young, uh, he was he's German. I'm first generation, born in Canada. So he was born in Germany and lived there during the Second World War. And um, you know, I there, I have so many stories from him, but this particular one. So um, he was, you know, at a certain age. The kids were taken away from their families, the German children, because they were uh, being moved uh, for their safety uh, to a certain place. Basically, it was like they were. It was like Vito Corleone was the state and he was giving you an offer. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So he he was he was made like he was being groomed to to get dropped into the Hitler Youth Group. Right. Because Mm. even though his nobody knew his mom. Uh, was Jewish because that was just a hidden thing, right? Like they just hid that fact uh, for survival. Oh, I don't think of that caveat. Yeah, her last name is Zolomon. She wasn't practicing, oh, wow. but mm. if your last name was Zolomon in uh, Nazi Germany, you didn't do well, right? No. So he, they hid that fact. There, we only have two paintings that were done by her family left. Uh, everything else was just mm. gotten rid of. Um, so yeah. it couldn't be found. They hid those well enough that they could keep them. But um, so they take the kids away, right? Him and his sister were both taken away. She was taken away to the where the girls go. He was taken where the where the boys go. And that was in Prague, right? They, where their Hitler Youth Camp was, wasn't it? Well, that's where they took them to. So they took okay. them down to Prague, yeah. And they were um, just marching them from place to place. And it was like it was basically like he was a fourteen year old in boot camp. Is the way I would describe it. No. One thing your dad said to me about that marching that really stuck with me was that um, because the boys and the girls didn't interact. And yep. so I don't know how frequent it was, but once a day, once a week, whenever it was, when they were marching through the town square, they had a brief moment where their eyes would dart and they catch each other's eyes as they marched uh, like away from one another. Yeah, they marched. And that was like, like yeah. this, right? Like it's almost ships passing in the night kind of 
That's right. right. Yeah. But, which, which, by the way, is incredibly sad and confusing if you're if you're in that situation. And right? you're 14 like, years old. Think yeah. And you got to look out for your little sister, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was his yeah. big sister. His sister is older, but um, oh, okay. But but still, like, he said we in that in that moment he said we were so careful not to pay mm. too much attention to each other because we just didn't want people to know that we knew each other. Yeah. So just like that is powerful. Like that is like, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And so when one night when like they would sleep in the weirdest places, right? Because they were just a troop of kids walking down the road and um, they were one night they stayed at a farm. They would just go to the farmer and say, Hey, we got a troop of uh, young kids and we're going to, we're going to stay in your barn. All the kids are going to sleep in the barn. So the kids just slept on the ground in the barn. Right. Hmm. And in the middle were of the they night, teach, was that occupying class? Like what was that? Yeah. yeah <laughs> what were they doing? Yeah. Well, they were, they were just, they were getting, I didn't realize they didn't have barracks. I imagine like the Hitler youth camp with barracks for boys and barracks for girls. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And imagine they would have eventually gotten there once they were, once he was put into Hitler youth, cause he wasn't quite old okay. enough. Right. So they would march them around. And, and the one night that they stayed in this, in this, thing it's not like you know they didn't go to the farmer and say hey do you mind if we they're just like hey these like you know these kids are gonna sleep here tonight in your barn yeah, so yeah. they sleep, yeah. sleeping in the barn and my dad uh has always been a little bit of a like maybe he was a bit of a punk you know he's a bit of a rebel and he had this idea that they would escape and he managed to talk a few other guys into escaping a few other young men that he was with mm. And they were going to. This was also late in the war, though, too, right? Yes, like, it was. Yes. was it the, your dad, I remember your dad telling me that there was some, like, like you could tell that the Allies were doing well and, the, and German, and like there were less German soldiers around in that area than before. Yeah. And I think I remember him saying at that point, the time they decided to escape, there was like one guard left <laughs> or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. not as many soldiers left. But what they were, what Hitler ended up doing was he was like taking 14 year old kids and going, take this gun, go to the front, and just basically throwing humans at the problem that he was having um and so my dad was like i i just i want to be with my mom and dad like a, like any 14 year old would do and yeah. he decided that he was gonna just leave and his you know the people he talked into it were like uh i don't know man rudy this seems like an insane idea well back then they would have probably called him carl and so they they, they random well his name rudy, this is a really bad idea yeah. yeah. Also, his nickname is Carl. No, no, his <laughs> real like... name is Carl. His his full name oh, okay. is Carl Otto Rudolphus. So, but he went by Rudy when he came to Canada. So that what mm. they would do is they would they they would like be sleeping in the thing, and then in the middle of the night, I guess soldiers or like the guards and whatnot are outside. You know, probably I would imagine drinking, playing cards, or... smoking, and laughing about their hatred of Jews. Probably, yeah, yeah. like probably shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they. He and his buddies, in the middle of the night, they climbed up into the rafters of this old barn, and they laid down as straight as they could and as as, as silently as they could on the twelve by twelve beams that were going across the top, and they wow. just laid there. And then the next morning, when they because every morning they do roll call, and they didn't answer, and so they were labeled as deserters. And the company, the troop, had to move on, and, and you know, 
I don't know if they left a soldier behind to wait for them to see if they'd whatever, but they assumed that they were deserters. It was in 45. So it was like getting near the very end of the war. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they stayed up there. They stayed up there that whole day and for the next night. And then the next, you know, you got to be careful when you lie in those beams near the roof, because um, a lot of those people end up up as addicts. (laughs) That was your dad joke of the evening. Brought to you by addicts. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so he he stayed up there for like I think like two like the night that he climbed up, and then the next day, and then the next night, and then the next day, and then the next night when no soldiers were around, they left. Just right. imagine. You, you could have just said could have just said three. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But it's more dramatic. <laughs> then, the other way. I thought you I thought you were broken. Storyteller man. Did, did he have a stroke? And then the next day. And then the next day, <laughs> oh my God, I don't know. We said on a podcast recently that um, the only way to really explain the assassination of JFK with his head going back and to the left yeah. is that he had one last Tourette's sy- symptom before he died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> and, and move into the bullet. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's go off. Ryan Lindley for the for the book. I hope I didn't bastardize it too bad. But sorry, go on. Uh, so so, but he started off in Prague-ish when he yeah, when yeah, he escaped. Right around, they, were, they were right around Prague, and then and then he walked. He walked to fucking Berlin. He walked to fucking Berlin from Prague. That's I why I came up with the title back. "Road Back to Berlin," I have which that is generic as fuck. Tattooed. That's like you can't oh, see it, but it's basically um, one time I tattooed a, the shape of Berlin, and and I put the path that he walked. Oh, I tattooed yeah. that on my arm as a little way to commemorate um, the thing that he went through. And so, when he tells this story, it's like he's there. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. yeah. But when they walk back into Berlin, and when they get there, and what they see, and like you know, yeah, and the way like it's rubble everywhere, and they're they're it, you know they get to this thing, and then. This is so insane to me that as they're walking, they're getting like his house was the furthest, I guess. It, it must be by the stories that I've heard from him. Uh, so you walk and then one kid turns down a road and he's gone. Never saw that kid again. And okay. then they get further and then another one goes down another road and another one. And then until he gets to his place and never, ever saw those people again. Never, never, never. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, six six weeks, and, man, six weeks, and they ate the only they ate they robbed like uh, root cellars and stuff, right? Yeah. Like they they took modest food. He he made a point to mention your dad is such a great storyteller, by the way. Like I, I don't really know if he's is. done. Yeah, I don't know if he's done writing or whatever, but he knows the right formula Dude, to get you never, excited. He's never finished high school because of the dude, war. I love it. I love it. I'm a he's high school great. graduate, and I'm not as smart as your dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um. But but he's like but he's me he's like um because he, he did mention the egg thing and then he also mentioned salami and cheese specifically right oh, like yeah. that he would get from Rusa and then when he got back to Berlin he said that when he turned onto his street um most of the houses were pretty dilapidated but his looked pretty good and when they got back they they went they walked originally to the backyard or, or at first to the back area or whatever. and um they were basically in the middle of a very small modest celebration of the sisters birthday and they were eating salami and cheese yeah which is what sustained their lives as they walked from prague to berlin yeah so yeah so they were eating uh so yeah he arrived on june 1st 1945 which was his sister's birthday and they were having a little thing and there was cheese and bread and he had stolen 
and not even told the guys he was with because he wanted it for his family when he got home. He had stolen a salami, mm. like a, wow. like a you know like a wrapped salami. He never ate it. He could have ate it while he was on the thing. He didn't eat it. Instead, he choked. He wasn't Italian. Like poking poking holes in eggs and just sucking the raw egg out with his. Oh, uh, wow. Like that's what he ate most of the time, and and also he said there were certain kind of sticks. He rem- mentioned a certain kind of tree that, it, when you were really hungry, if you chewed on it, it created saliva and that went down your throat and then it kind of satiated <laughs> you a little bit. Like oh, so he ate sticks. Amazing. Like bark. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like bark and like like the shoots, right? Like the like the young shoots on the on the thing. And it was see, it was I, like, I would have come in handy during that trip. I would have come in. I, you know, yeah. I was a good. And when, when push came to shove and I had no choice and I had to go to the store and, and, and shoplift a meal or else I would go hungry, um, I realized that you don't have to shoplift really cheap shit. No. You can, you can shoplift a, uh, a... I always ate like a king. Whenever I, whenever I had no money, I would like, uh, James, where'd you get all those T-bones? Oh, I'm broke. So I had to go to the grocery store and get my meal <laughs> in a nefarious this way and i didn't steal the pen that i didn't steal the fast fry okay <laughs> like yeah. what do you want it's the yeah, one but... uh, you know it's the one like quality it's the only thing that you can be proud of yourself as you feel shame for stealing is that well at least i gave myself something nice yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah it was like uh yeah. and and then the first thing that they did i would i like the way he tells it before a hug from his parents that he hasn't seen for so long and he just spent six weeks walking home to get to them the first thing his father did was stand him in the middle of the yard strip him naked because he had fleas and he had lice and he had like bugs all like because you know like that there's no you don't you don't get clean when you're walking yeah. for six weeks and you smell like lamb which just makes you more hungry yeah right? exactly <laughs> and he just hosed him down with cold water and, and like scrubbed him with a rough brush and like cleaned him in that moment. That's, like that's such a forties dad thing to do, <laughs> isn't it? I'm glad you're like, alive. Hold still. <laughs> hold still. I'm gonna scrub you with this horsehair brush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was yeah. just like, and my dad has such amazing stories. That's just one of them. You know, yeah. that's just one. There's details throughout. One I should say because I think is. So cool. Um, when he was traveling, he they, they 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 one time they were so desperate they knocked on a door and were going to ask for food, and the family brought them inside and fed them stew, like they had a meal, like a real meal. Oh wow! It must have been really special. And he always says he never really talks about the food that he ate in that moment or what, like how great it was. He doesn't really ever talk about that. He talks about the table that the man made for his family. This farmer made a table and it was oh, like wow. a piece of wood that was like eight inches thick and the size of a family table. And the bowls were carved right out of the wood. So that just had these divots in it wow. and they just scooped that's the neat. stew into the divots and they ate out of the, divots in the wood oh that's cool yeah that's interesting yeah. pretty neat eh like just a such a different world back then like oh god that just yeah, I, yeah. I often think about what he like he's 90 he's he's in his words he's 90 fucking two now he's gonna be 90 fucking three in uh <laughs> august and he uh 
He's still in quite great shape. Still walks up and down the stairs. Or, you know, goes, mm. walks to the coffee shop, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like he, um, oh Jesus, I just lost my train of thought. Help me. Out. He's ninety-two. He's ninety-two. He's uh, he's doing well. He walks upstairs. Good stories. Yeah, he does have great stories. Oh God, I can't <laughs> believe that happened. I should have, yeah. should have had less whiskey, maybe. Oh, my God. Was that a working example of what you were going to say about his uh, current mental condition? Actually, maybe it's a f- that this that's the harbinger right there, right? Wow, that's foreshadowing, but not the kind you want. No, man. I don't want it, no. <laughs> so he's um, he's he's uh, been diagnosed with, like, some early onset dementia at 92. Like, it just happened at 91 and a half when we started noticing he was kind of forgetting things a little bit. But the weird thing is, is if you called him right now, he would tell you that story. I told you in his fashion, Jesus, you should get him on here. Oh my God. And oh my God. I would totally get him on. Yeah. I, I would talk, I, honestly. I, yeah. We could maybe do it. We could maybe do it. Oh, I would, yeah. this, that would, um, and, and, and you record it. Right. So I would have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, I'm going to start crying. Yeah, I would only charge you like 19. 19- 95 for a copy of that, Paul. Like, seriously. I'd pay anything for that. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we, maybe maybe we, we should talk about that. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, get him and Julie um, Black on the same show. That would be really interesting. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would totally be accused of trying to give an old man a last uh, controversial wish or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Black, this is a dirty old man. <laughs> well, so he's, like, forgetting some things. But if you asked him about this story that I just told he would tell you that story without any mistakes, no mistakes. He doesn't yeah. seem to forget things from long ago. He knows who I am. He knows who he asks how Shepard and Georgia, my children are doing all that stuff. But He's, like, for some reason, like from what I remember your dad, and I do remember him well, I, I think, but I, I could totally be wrong about what I'm about to say, but I, I kind of feel like he's the type of dude where at the very beginning of a, a health problem like, like that, he might, um, insert his condition in jokes here and there all the time yeah i i thought your time, name my mom was, was like med- he, i think he's faking yeah. it paul i think he's fucking yeah. with me. he's he, with your mom he's just role-playing i got another one in before we go <laughs> yeah no your name is carol fine it's carol <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does like in the very beginning seriously that's how it started for my mom she was like I don't know. He says he doesn't remember that we went to this place yesterday, but I, I seriously, I think he's fucking with me because he's been so like so sharp for so long. And it's like, it was rather sudden. Right. But yeah, I'll watch a TV show with him. Like I went to his place to watch the world cup with him because we mm-hmm. both like soccer and why not hang out with him for like 10 days and watch the whole thing together. Just, despite you, the fact that you just put the accent on world instead of cup, I'll let that slide, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of soccer. Cup. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we, like, you know, it was amazing, but he wouldn't remember one match to the next. Like we'd watch a match, you know, when they're, when they're like three in a day, you'd watch one at five and at 11 and then at six or whatever it was. Cause it was happening in Qatar. So uh, mm. he would not remember who won. I'd have to keep reminding him of that. So new things don't stick. But old right, things okay. are all still there. Now, because maybe because I'm a weirdo or maybe because I'm fascinated a little bit, morbidly fascinated with how that can happen, I will take him bird watching because he got me into it. So I still take him bird watching. Oh. So we went bird watching the last time I was at his place and I specifically took him to see um, 
a uh, some stormwater ponds that I knew had like five thousand snow geese on them, and that's like a, a kerfuffle. It's like a cacophony of sound, and you know all this honking, and it's really loud, and it, it's very yeah. memorable. So I went and I took him there, and he was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool! Oh my, I'm so blown away by what I'm looking at right now." And then I took him to see an owl that I knew of that was hiding out in a tree. And again, it was like, oh, my goodness, it's so beautiful. A little red screech owl is so lovely and all this kind of stuff. And then I took him to see a gull, like like a, a specific species of gull, which looks like every other gull, except one little thing about it that makes it a special <laughs> thing that's from Siberia or some shit. And everybody gets, birders all get excited about it. I don't get as excited about that. I the Canada 1976 Expo stamp has a different font. Yeah, like that's one of those. Yeah, things, yeah right? exactly. Like, yeah. It's that kind of a situation. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, that's a crescent-colored white tip to the wings. It's like, so we we get to we get back home and we have dinner, and then I just like ask him nonchalantly. So, do you know where we went today? And he was like, "Well, we went to look at birds, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, we totally went and look at birds." Do you remember what we saw? Tell me what we saw. And he said, uh, well, we saw the pond with all the geese. That was amazing. And then he would tell my mom about that story because it would, like, trigger all the stuff. Right. Because it was, yeah, yeah. it was, like, more remarkable. So he remembered. And then I said, what else? And he's like, oh, that little owl where you showed that you lowered your scope to the ground. You let that little boy look through it. And his parents were so happy. That he's he so good at detail. He was always really good at details. Yeah. Like, that's like, what his stories were really cool. Like, he he would pause for a moment and talk about like, you know, like the, uh, I'm just making this off the top of my head, but he's one of those guys that like, when he's talking about him and his sister walking home from Prague to Berlin, that he would stop and be like, I remember walking for about a day and all we could smell was hickory or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and all of a sudden you're like, this is why it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? And then I said, anything else? And he's like, mm, not that I remember. I said, do you remember the gull? He's like, mm, I don't remember that. So the gull was super far away. Say things like, try to get him to say things, man. You know, just like, so so he can rely on the jokes. Maybe the jokes will sustain him longer. Yeah, I don't know. I'm be. just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's an interesting and sad um, kind of kind of thing. I, I, I was telling you earlier today also that I, because I, I've been working at a library part-time for like, like six years. Yeah. And like 10% of the patrons that come there um, are like 60% are seniors and 10% of those are, are have type some type of dementia yeah. and so I've, I've had this sort of front row seat of, of of what it's like and some people manage it better than others um you know some people i have the same conversation six times in five minutes yeah you know yeah um you're still you're, you're but i have to joke with them right and so she's like yeah. the british the british mystery author and i know who she's talking about and i'm just like james bond and she's like <laughs> no you right and like Agatha Christie, she's like, yes. And I'm like, how about that one in your hand? She's like, oh, oh, you know, and then, and then like the next time she comes and, you know, she can't cross the street. And so like, I have to pretend that like, I'm not really helping her that like, you know, my shoes are bad for the ice and I might slip. Can she help me cross the street? Right. And like, and it's, and it's weird because I've watched them fade away and then I'm just like put myself in the family's position. And it's like, and they all kind of say the same thing. They all kind of say, you take what you get and you try to love as much as you, as you can. That's familiar. 
and you and you realize that you know that they're just that they're going and they almost think it's almost like a relief sometimes when they go because yeah. now they don't have to be confused and now you know and it's it's a really profound place to be it must be interesting with your dad because he's such a great communicator you know like yeah yeah it is really interesting and and i'm like i'm sad about it there's no doubt i'm really sad about the fact that it's happening and i probably i'm I'm more worried about my mom than my dad because my mom is 21 years younger than my dad um good guy um, yeah, well done, Dad. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Now he's a stud to top it all off. Jesus. Yeah, I know. And wait till you wait till you find out. I should have sent you that picture. I don't know. Maybe I can find it when we're on the call. But he also was one of the best sharpshooters in all of North America. Like a like rifle, long range rifle, moving target. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I like, don't know. Wow. Yeah. Well, like when the whole I don't know. I don't know if I should say this on. The- You're. He didn't steal Rachel from you. That he's so cool. You know? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, he's like the coolest guy. Every every year on his birthday, I post that this picture of him that was in the newspaper when I was a kid, and it's him with his get up and his like long range scope rifle gun or uh, rifle and everything. And I always have to say the same thing: I am never going to be as cool as my father. I am never wow. going to be as cool as my father, and that I'm okay with that. I've settled with it. It's not going to happen. You're so fortunate. And I mean that like, I'm, I'm so happy for you. You know, like the, if you look at, uh, if I look at all the people that I grew up with, um, all the ones that have bad lives had bad fathers, every single one of them, either fathers weren't there or they were bad. And uh, it's such a, like, you know, it's, uh, that's why, you know, is, you know, it's, it's, it's something I didn't really have, you know, that like, I didn't really, I, my dad was like, he said like six words in the nineties, right? Yeah. <laughs> something like, something like that. Right. Yeah, it's almost like he lost the contest. <laughs> What's that? He was pretty reserved when I knew him. He didn't say a whole lot to me either. No, he, he talking was like, um, you know, shoving a cheese grater up your ass. That's, that, that's how we felt about talking. Um, you know, if he, if there was no one home and he wanted a pizza, he wouldn't order it. <laughs> you know, pray for one. <laughs> yeah but anyways um your dad your dad um you know uh obviously was a really great dad and uh and i think that maybe that that must be cushioning the blow for all of you yeah in a way i, I think it is yeah i mean my sister's a little closer I, I call him every week so we we talk quite regularly um he doesn't forget the kids he doesn't forget me he always says oh my goodness paul it was so nice to hear your voice i always love talking to you and mm-hmm. um yeah i just I just let him go. I'll ask a thing and just let him go and I'll just listen to it. His voice is very soothing to me now. Yeah. As an adult. No, it totally. As, is. You know, as a youngster, it was that cheese grater in the ass thing. But like now, <laughs> it's like one of the. I most, tried to be eloquent. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, one, of the, all I, all I it's one of the most soothing sounds I have is just hearing him talk to me. So I really, yeah. really love that. And, and I, I know this. I hope like people sometimes maybe think this is a little callous, but you know, there's lots of people that I know whose family members have had dementia and it started at 70 and they died at 80 and they didn't even know who their kids were last seven years of it. And, you know, when, when you, when you begin to get the earliest stages of that at 92, like, I mean, uh, under under remarkable circumstances, he'll be here till 100. But I don't think that's the case. Like, if I have to be honest with myself, I think mm-hmm. I've probably got maybe four or five more years. 
with him. And yeah. as much as that, uh, sorry, it's like that's that's obviously emotional. Um, yeah. As much as that uh, hurts me, it's gonna be better for him because he'll never. I don't think he'll be around alive long enough to get to the point where he's nonstop confused and just like, Mm. you know, like getting violent with my mom or any of that kind of shit. It's like, that's not going to, we're probably not going to get there. So I feel like, uh, kind of blessed for that reason. Totally. Your dad is a lot better man than I am because if I found out that I had early onset dementia, I would just immediately start saying cunt as often as I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he has said some, like, I remember, (laughs) I remember one time we're up, this was last summer, actually. So he, for his 90s, so we go up to Manitoulin Island for June and July and August, if we can, like, we just stay up there. We got, I built a cabin up there and we just stay up there. And, um, okay. And um, I, I just think that with, with that, we're, we're out there and he will do things like that where I go, oh, I wonder if that's like, is he just freer with being an asshole? But some man gets was sleeping in a chair at a yard sale and that guy got up and walked towards the house. And my dad just like hits me in the arm, just like does one of these and goes, that man shit himself. It's all over his fucking pants and too loud for sure. Too loud. Yeah. And that guy knew about it and was embarrassed and was going to deal with it. And then he looks at me and he goes, and I bet you he's 25 years younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) And the the guy with the shitty pants is like, I'm I'm still right here, guys. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, are you telling me in your old age you've never shit yourself? And he's like, not in public. (laughs) Man's got a point. You can't trust the fart in public. That's true. That's a rule. Yeah. Well, he's definitely wrong. Oh, my God. I was, uh, I was, when I was at their house, this will be real quick. When I was at their house, I was working, I was on a call, like a business, like a Zoom call with clients and stuff. And mm. my dad was in the room with me. And he, I guess he farted <laughs> to this, like to this day, this was months ago, but to this day, I think, get some of my, uh, I think they think it was me. <laughs> and you just took that for the team. I would never do that. Even for my father. No, no I told them well. my dad was sitting with me, so. Yeah, <laughs> but um, your dad can cut. Co- I can manipulate this whole situation. Let's see if I can do this, even though I'm going against the universe here, which yeah. is Rachel. Sure. Um, I will definitely have your dad on, but Rachel has to come on the show and as well, like not on the same show, but on a totally different one. Yeah, yeah. You should talk to her about it. She might. I mean, she's <laughs> okay. I'll try. Unbel- yeah. Good luck. <laughs> tell her I'll do whatever she says. Yeah. <laughs> I, just tell her to wear the roll. Can she come in roller derby character? <laughs> oh, she hasn't done roller derby in a while. Once uh, she had injured herself once, and we were like, she was, she kind of went, "Oh Jesus, I got to be careful now. I can't do this anymore because I got children I got to look after." Yeah, um, she's the coolest chick in the game, as Jay Z likes to say about uh, Beyonce. But um, Rachel is one of the most amazing. Like you really did well, um, and kids are awesome. I'm really happy that you could come and join us, dude. We could probably talk forever. If you ever want to join me on a casual Friday, because yeah, you know it's Casual Friday. Let me know, yeah. um, and and I'll I'll send you a link, and uh, and we'll kick it again there because um yeah we could do this forever. It was really nice catching up. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, it's been a really it's been a really long while, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Um and um yeah, you're welcome back anytime, buddy. Say hi to the family. Yeah, on one. Hi, Rachel. My no, did you hear me? No, that's my daughter Georgia. <laughs> She's just letting the dog out. So oh, okay, 
<laughs> Hi. That's my creaky old door. You want to see my beautiful daughter for a second? She's sure. Best man, she's so. Good. I remember when she was a baby, so I'm gonna feel really old as I see her. But yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. My my sister's the reason you exist. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is this is my um, ex-wife's brother. <laughs> that's a perfect well done. that's a perfect 15 year old uh well done john hughes wrote wrote her dialogue that was perfect you know it was well done amazing all right buddy um so yeah we'll have uh we'll have the whole clan can come on um but yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll talk again soon and uh and thank you very much for coming to blackball i can't say that when when it's someone i know so well so thank you for coming buddy yeah, I appreciate thank it. you it was a real pleasure I had a good time Awesome. Have a good night. Um, that's Paul Riss. Um, that was really nice reconnecting with him. Um, he was in my life for like a decade, you know, and, uh, and it's good to see that he, um, that he's doing really well. It makes me happy. And um, I enjoyed talking about his dad. That was kind of a different show. And, uh, and I'm kind of happy about that. So tomorrow is casual Friday. Let me just, let me just take a look at the schedule here. So I don't get any of this incorrect. First, is casual Friday and Friday. Then on the seventh, I'm still going to book a show for the sixth. I don't have it yet. We have mayoral candidate in Toronto, Rob Davis. And from, do you remember uh, Queer as Folk? Hal Sparks is going to be on the show on Wednesday at 9 p.m. That's going to be dope. And then we have Michael Price, one of the main writers on The Simpsons, who's done, who's written. He actually corrected me the other day. He has been part of the writing team for hundreds of episodes. That could include things that could include things like script writing, things like that. But he's actually written like forty episodes or something like that. My bad. Um, he's only been involved in hundreds of episodes from a creative standpoint, but not in this way. It was really a writer thing for him to just like distinguish that, and I get why he did it. But it's still like because um, he said it in a way that was almost like you know humble about it. Um, dude, you've been involved creatively in hundreds of Simpsons episodes. Um, I can't wait to talk to him. And that's on March 13th. And until then, we'll see you next time on Black Ball. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. He had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.